Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. You know, we've been doing this show for nearly seven years now, every week, and interviewing people around the world with vision problems and talking about the remarkable things they've done. People driving cars without being able to see, people doing woodworking, and all kinds of activities. But the people we'll be talking to today have done something that I've never really thought a person who is blind would do. Hunt. Dirk Price was an avid hunter, but then his vision failed. And he discovered a way that he could continue to hunt. And we'll be speaking with both him and Dr. John Brode, president of the Physically Challenged Bowhunters of America, a nationwide nonprofit which provides hunting opportunities for men, women, and youth with all kinds of physical challenges in more than a dozen states. But first for a tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Dirk Price. I was able in my younger years and lost the ability through retinitis pigmentosa to see sites, the lineup sites and the target. The PCBA promised to get me back out there and they did. And I have now got uh, as a retired person the ability uh, through the PCBA to go back out and enjoy the outdoors and the sport of bow hunting and deer hunting. And that just means so much to me uh, to find an organization that will provide the link uh, between anyone's disability and and how to, to get back out in the outdoors and enjoy what I for so long missed as a young man. And you've also met some very nice people and interesting people along the way. Yes, I have. The camaraderie that you meet, and it humbles you to see how other people deal with all kinds of disabilities and overcome it with just a little bit of help or technology that you can get back out there. And it makes you feel good to to be successful and, and that little bit of help that will get you back out there and have fun and and have a a successful hunt. So if there's something you used to enjoy doing and you think you can't do it anymore just because your vision has failed, well, if Dirk can hunt, you can probably do whatever it is you want to do. You might need a little help. You might need to do it a little bit differently, but there's probably a way that you can figure out to make it happen. Let's start by meeting Dirk and John and learn how they met and how they got involved with the PCBA, or Physically Challenged Bowhunters of America. So we have two people on the show today. Dirk, can you start by introducing yourself? Yeah, hi, my name is Dirk Price, and I am 64 years old. I've got retinitis pigmentosa, which has pretty much totaled me out as far as eyesight. I was a avid hunter as a young man when 
when I could see. And as RP progressed throughout my lifetime, I lost the ability to enjoy the sport of deer hunting. And about five years ago, at a sportsman's expo, I was bumping around a show, and Dr. John Brode, the president of the Physically Challenged Bow Hunters of America, plucked myself and my guide dog, Nuri, out of the aisle, and he said, would you like to go hunting? And I explained that my eyesight had prevented that, and he said, we'll get you out there hunting again. So that's where my story with the PCBA started. And I understand you're on the board of directors of that organization. Yes, I'm on the board of directors of the Physically Challenged Bow Hunters of America. John, can you introduce yourself? Good evening. Uh, I'm Dr. John Brode, and uh, I'm a disabled hunter as well, only I'm more physically challenged uh, than visually challenged. Uh, Been with the Physically Challenged Bow Hunters of America since 2007, and I've been the president uh, since 2014. Um, we have almost 800 members in our organization, and uh, we're in 49 of the 50 states. So there's someone out there that wants to reach out to us and, and get involved in archery or archery hunting. Um, by all means, with us, and we'll help you out. And you're still an active hunter in spite of your physical disability. That's correct. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is bow hunting with little or no vision. So before we get into the actual mechanics of hunting for people with different types of challenges, tell us a little bit about this organization and how it got started. Well, in 1993, when the president signed the American Disabilities Act, um, we had a gentleman that had suffered a industrial accident in Kansas and lost an arm. And uh, there was an article in his hometown newspaper, and it was in a local attorney that did not feel that local businesses and governments needed to change building accesses and make special uh, measurements for folks with challenges and disabilities to get into the public facilities. And this upset this gentleman so much, Mr. Drew McCarthy, that he drove from Kansas over to uh, Mississippi. He sat in the attorney's office until the attorney would meet with him and have a working lunch. And he impressed upon the attorney that gentlemen like him and ladies and children like him didn't choose to be in that condition, but it was the part of their lives they had to live with, and they wanted to be uh, treated equally. That's quite a trip. It's almost a thousand miles. What happened at that meeting? The attorney said, well, if you'll get some folks together, I'll help you start an organization that can meet those needs and, and get you back into archery as an outdoor activity. So who organized uh, 13 physically challenged disabled folks that he knew of in, in uh, Mississippi.
Mississippi. The organization was formed in Mississippi with 13 original members got together, all with different uh, physical challenge disabilities. Wrote the Articles of Incorporation, our bylaws, which has stood the test of time. And we became incorporated in February of 1993. Uh, we're an all-volunteer organization, not a single paid member. So every penny we raise is put towards enabling folks to use adaptive equipment, go on these hunts, or maybe participate in Special Olympics. What kinds of things does the PCBA do as an organization to enable physically challenged people to bow hunt? We have some specialized equipments, uh, special braces, special uh, bow rest. Um, we have some vests that an individual that may be uh, an amputee one arm can use to uh, draw and fire a bow. Uh, specialized equipment has hit the market recently that helps the visually impaired, like Dirk, uh, to get back out there and hunt again with the aid of a full-sighted guide. Dirk, can you tell us a little bit about how this sport has been adapted so that with no or limited vision, people are able to do this? Okay. I started with a green light laser which projected it was just like a, instead of a sighted person person looking through a scope with crosshairs, this laser projected a dot on the target. And I found that it was not very dependable, and it also scared the deer. When that light lit up, the deer would spook. It seems to me there are at least two problems with a blind hunter using the laser. Besides scaring the deer, it doesn't do the blind hunter any good because he or she can't see the dot. That's correct. The PCBA provides every hunter that goes on one of their hunts with a personal guide, a volunteer, that helps with whatever that person needs. If he's in a wheelchair and needs to be picked up and put in a blind, if he needs a, a special type of technology or rest, like John described, to help him hold the bow up because he only has one arm or there's different things with quadriplegics where you can blow and trigger a, a bow to shoot. Got it. So this is sort of like the blind golfers having a caddy along with them. Right. So in my case, where I can't see, I have a sighted person behind me, and I shoulder the crossbow, and the guide tells me left, right, up, down, and shoot uh, when I'm on the target. So it's a slow process between his mouth, my brain, and, and the trigger. And the animals are quick. They're moving, right? Right. But the PCBA puts a lot of money into um, having good sites with a lot of deer and antelope. And I've been successful now on two hunts. I shot my first deer at the Indiana hunt about three years ago, the first deer I've shot in 40 years. And the excitement of doing that, being able to do that again with a little bit of help from this club was just exhilarating. 
So that is so cool because you would not having ever done this before, I might have expected that the sighted guide would pick up the crossbow and aim it for you. But he's really just providing the information that you can't get by yourself and enabling you to do the whole thing yourself. He's talking in my ear. So you had indicated that in the past you had used a laser from the bow shining a spot on the target, but that somehow spooked the target and it wasn't so optimal. That technology has obviously been replaced. How are you doing things these days? The new technology that I am using is called a G-Line Smart Phone Adapter. This is a piece of equipment that's manufactured in, in Europe, Slovenia, I believe, and it's a, it's a two-piece thing. The uh, barrel of it actually screws over the scope on the, on the crossbow and attaches to where a sighted person would look through. And then there's a plate, and the plate it can either be a universal plate, which will fit any iPhone, or a dedicated plate, which uh, in my case, I now have an iPhone 7, and it actually makes the camera of this iPhone look through the scope. It sees the crosshairs and the target. It automatically focuses and it displays the crosshairs and the target on the screen of the phone. So the sighted guide is not trying to look through the scope. He's looking at the screen on the smartphone. He is adjusting, telling me where to aim by looking at the camera screen on the phone, and it will actually video the shoot. So it's it's pretty neat, and it works really well with just a little bit of practice. So that way he's not getting in your way. He can watch from over your shoulder, and you can still aim the crossbow. That's right. Uh, I don't have to move my head out of the way where he can look through the scope. We're not trying to get our head in the same place. He can sit at a comfortable distance behind me and see what's going on. He can look over the, the camera and see what the target's doing, or he can look at the camera and and give me verbal cues as to which way to aim. And you're also not shining a light from the crossbow onto the target that's going to scare the target away. Right. What kind of distances are these usually done at? The antelope I shot was right at 40 yards uh, in Wyoming last year. Crossbow technology has improved a lot. Uh, the speed of the the arrow or the bolt that comes out of it um, has a lot to do with the, the fall and the drop in it. And some of these, you know, higher dollar crossbows can shoot up to 100 yards. There are three or four lines on the crossbow scope, and the top line is sighted in it say 20 yards and the second line down is 40 yards and the third line down is 60 yards so the the uh, sighter has to determine the distance and the drop in the in the arrow and line it up with these different horizontal lines in the scope the distances that ip hunters uh, typically shoot are 
60 yards and lower because we believe in taking ethical shots and not to exceed the capability of that hunter. So even though the, the equipment may be able to shoot further, I don't know of any of our hunts where anybody's killed an animal over 60 yards. When you say you get a volunteer guide or assistant to go with you, is this a one-on-one thing, or are these organized group hunts and there are a number of physically challenged hunters with an equal number of volunteers? We typically put on about 11 different hunts during the year. Our hunt numbers at each location between two to eight total hunters. We have a hunt coordinator at every location. The hunt coordinator gets volunteers out of the community and the landowners to allow us to access to their property. And then each of the hunters has a guide and maybe an assistant, but they have a dedicated person that helps every hunter to get to and from the motel, out to the blind to hunt, and if they are lucky and harvest, then they will process their animal for them and get it into the butcher. Wow, this is a soup to nuts uh, process here. That's really nice. That's correct. Someone once asked me, well, how much does this cost? Well, we're not a guide service. We don't charge people anything. But the amount of time we spend with the land preparation, the license, the motels, and then the, the meals, the whole thing, we typically average about $850 per hunter to do an event like this. So we start 11 months before doing fundraisers and donations and grants, and, and that's how we survive. So just to clarify, you said the organization spends on average of $850 per hunter, and then you don't even charge the hunters to stay in the hotel? That's correct. Wow. That makes it more available and accessible to anybody who wants to participate. So how long does a typical hunt last? Um, we have hunts at two days, but the most of our hunts are for four days. You mentioned that you were concerned about ethical hunting and in terms of you didn't want the prey to be too far away so you didn't suffer from an inaccurate shot just wounding the animal. How accurately do you have to hit the target in order to make a successful um, hit? The first evening of all of our hunts, we try to take our members out to a range, whether it's an indoor or outdoor range. The guy that's assigned to them gets with that hunter and he checks out his abilities to make shots starting at 20 yards to 30 yards, and if they can't group their arrows inside the size of your fist, then we don't have them try to shoot anything further out than that. Some people can only shoot 20 yards because their challenge is physical limitations of strength holding the equipment. Mm -hmm. But then there's some that maybe their leg amputee, their upper body is strong enough, and they can shoot that 40 or 50-yard shot because they can hold their bow up a lot longer. So we have all of the hunters, before we go on the hunt, show us their capabilities. So a lot of people are familiar with a very simple bow and arrow that they might have seen in Robin Hood movies or something when they were kids. But I understand a crossbow is a very different piece of equipment. Can you describe the difference? Well, a traditional bow, like you say, we call it stick and string. 
it looks like a big piece of wood that's got a string tied to both ends of it. That's traditional archery. And now they have the recurves that have a little bend at the end of those bows that goes away from the hunter. From there, they went to the compound bow, which now has wheels and cams and the strings running different directions like a pulley system. Now the compound, instead of being held in a vertical position, is now turned horizontally. And there are several different models and styles of crossbows on the market. Some have limbs that fold back to you. Some have limbs that fold away from you. So the bows may average six and a half, seven pounds in total. These bows, in order to cock them and load them, that string has 125 to 175 pounds of draw weight. So now we have to have a special cocking device. Some have handle cranks that will crank that string back, and then others we use a rope system style with pulleys to draw that string back. From your description, it seems like the strings are under a whole lot of tension and the arrow is released really fast. How do you keep the hunters safe, especially if they're blind or have other challenges? The safety aspects of using a crossbow are extremely important regarding hand placement. And some of the older style crossbows did not have a thumb guard up toward the front of the bow. I would say 90% of them now these guards, and they're much safer. But we all safety lecture the first time anyone picks up a crossbow to use it, and we go over how to load the bow, how to shoot it, and how to make sure that you're always safe with it before you go hunting. Do you find that most of your participants are like Dirk in that Dirk used to hunt, then developed a disability, and now joining the PCBA activities is is an opportunity to get back into the sport? Or do you find you have mostly participants who've been disabled all along and they've never tried hunting and and this is a new thing for them? Probably 90% of our membership have been hunters in the past and have been injured due to work or war veterans or first responders. Those folks are just trying to get back out and do what they used to do before. I have stroke victims that were recovery victims that tell me that when they come and participate in our hunts, that it's like a full circle for them in their life. They're back to doing what they used to do, but that 10% are born with physical challenge or is injured on the job and never participated in archery. It's a new venue that they can go out and harvest an animal and donate that animal to the Hunters Feeding the Hungry program and be a contributing member to society. And that is a, a wonderful thing. So, Dirk, I had a question for you. I am not a hunter, and naively I think of hunting as you go out and shoot an animal and maybe you skin it. But it must be more than that because there's a lot of time waiting around. You do this with other people. Can you tell me about what the enjoyment is, you know, what you get out of hunting and what an experience it is for you? All hunts aren't successful. Uh, You don't always see something. But I can say that the camaraderie that I have enjoyed in the 
three or four hunts that I've been with with the PCBA, I have met friends for life. And you meet all kinds of people with their own types of challenges, and it humbles you to see how they are overcoming those challenges. Uh, I've got eyesight challenges, but you meet people with stroke challenges and people missing limbs and uh, all kinds of different challenges. And the, the PCBA has taught me to accept everybody and see what how they overcome them with just a little bit of help. And it, it's really inspiring to see all that come together and happen. Um, one of our goals when we have our hunts and our events is we try to provide a brief period of normalcy to every member that's there because they go they may only have that four days in the entire year where somebody will assist them to get outdoors and enjoy nature and, and God's creation. So we try to make sure it's something that's enjoyable, memorable, and maybe it's a, a life-changing experience for them or whoever's with them during our event. Now for this week's final item, how you can get more information about the physically challenged bow hunters of America and how you can reach Dirk and John to ask them questions. In addition to the website that you have for the physically challenged bow hunters of America, how else can people get in touch with you or find out more? You can find us on our Facebook page, the physically challenged bow hunters of America. Uh, we have a toll-free number. You can call anytime. It's 855-247-7222. Or if you need to call me directly, uh, 812-585-0692. We take phone calls from 8 in the morning to midnight, Eastern time. Wow. Do you have an email address as well? Yes, you can reach me directly at jbrod, B-R-O-D, P-C-B-A, at AOL.com. So, Dirk, if people wanted to contact you if they had questions, would they be able to do that? Yes, my phone number is 334-469-2016, and my email is Dirk, P-D-I-R-K-P, at CenturyTel, C-E-N-T-U-R-Y-T-E-L dot net, N-E-T. And Pete mentioned that they have a website, and the address of that is Physically Challenged Bowhunters of America hyphen I-N-C dot org. And as usual, you'll find all those phone numbers and contact information in the show notes associated with this show at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 1748. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about the Colorado Talking Book Library and the services they provide. 
as you may have heard, we recently moved to Colorado. And so we took the opportunity to go in and speak with Debbie McLeod, the director of the Colorado Talking Book Library, about their day-to-day operation and the services that are available. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.tiesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes, follow us on Facebook and on Audioboom.com, at Eyes on Success, or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.